Welcome to Conversations with Inspirations, the Neurology Section Oral History Collection. My name is Britta Smith, historian of the Neurology Section and your host for an interview with Faye Horak, held here in San Diego and sunny California at the 2013 Combined Sections meeting. It is my great pleasure to introduce Faye Horak, physical therapist and PhD. Dr. Horak is a professor in the departments of neurology, physiology, and biomedical engineering at Oregon Health and Sciences University. She is an expert in postural stability and the neurologic control of balance, and is known for her development of the BEST test, the Balance Evaluation Systems Test. And thank you, Dr. Horak, for taking the time out of your busy schedule and being here with us today. Thank you very much. So in 1999, you sat on a scientific advisory committee for NASA that was on neurovestibular research for astronauts. Do you recall that? Mm -hmm. uh, it was really fun. That committee, what did you all do? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we had astronauts at the table and we had scientists that um, focused on different aspects of sensory motor control that might affect an astronaut in outer space. And we surmised and predicted what it might be like if it took three months to get to Mars, stay on Mars for three months, and take three months to get back. So you have, uh, on Mars you have one-third the gravity as you have on Earth, and then you have no gravity as you're traveling there. And we thought about studies and that needed to be done in order to get to that point. So what kinds of exercises should astronauts do on the space shuttle? Or... Um, you know, how would you try to prevent some of the deconditioning or the, the over-visual dependence that they have? And um, we learned some really interesting things about astronauts, like um, the more often they go up, the quicker they adapt, and it didn't matter how old they were. Um, and, um, Plasticity that, again. And how, <laughs> and how bad their balance was when they came back to Earth, and the longer they stayed away from gravity, the worse their balance was for weeks afterwards. And so we would, um, uh, with Dr. Black was very involved in that whole space agency research, and so we would be testing astronauts too, and and it was a really um, fun fun time. But mostly, I think that the the job there was try to figure out what would be the most productive experiments, not only do in space, but before people started going to space, so that they could best adapt to these unusual environments. So what was the outcome of that work? What was identified that was key that assisted in preparing the astronauts for the future or even dealing with individuals, for instance, who stayed in bed for a month because they had a stroke and that's what we did a long time ago. We kept them in bed. Mm -hmm. How did that information mm -hmm. translate to perhaps what we might do today in some circumstances? Mm -hmm. I think it is very similar of being totally immobile in a lot of ways, um, but they realize now because of those recommendations and studies that occurred after that, that astronauts have to do weight-bearing exercises even though there's no load. They, they add loads to them by running on a treadmill in space with rubber bands hooking you to the ground to pull you down to the ground. Um, and also had them train before they go in up and to pre-adapt so that they learn how to use vision and ignore abnormal vestibular information, try to orient their body to their workplace. And then when they got back, how to um, stay 
stay active and not just hope it just goes away, but to actually use gaze stabilization exercises on Earth and to concentrate on somatosensory information when they're back with gravity. And I think the biggest thing they were afraid of is that they would have trouble getting out of a capsule quickly when they got back to Earth. And so that changed the strategy so that they would be more prepared for, for, for that by, by pre-adapting. Pre Mm -hmm. Many clinical therapists probably know you for the best test. How did that come about? <laughs> so the this balance evaluation systems test, the best test, um, really came about in two ways. Um, one is Ann Shelby Cook and I were um, teaching weekend workshops on how to evaluate balance problems in neurologic patients for about 20 years. And we had developed, based on research, um, what uh, ways a therapist could evaluate different aspects of balance control. And I thought that was uh, useful because it, it got away from this reflex way of thinking about balance control and allowed people to look at these systems that are underlying balance that um, would include things like how you use your senses for balance control and how you respond to perturbations and how you anticipate your movements. Um, but um, as time went on, I, and I saw standardized tests becoming more useful in physical therapy, like the Berg Balance Scale, for instance, I realized we really needed to translate um, our framework into something that would be very practical for physical therapists. And so, so at that time, uh, Dr. Jim Frank, who is a kinesiologist um, from Waterloo, Canada, was in my lab doing a sabbatical. And I said, why don't, why don't we do that? Why don't we try to translate this framework for thinking about balance control into um, a balance, balance scale that could be used by a physical therapist? And so um, we did that. And then um, in order to find out if, uh, how useful that kind of, and to refine the test, um, Diane Risley came to my lab as a postdoctoral fellow and we did the test. So it, it, allowed, it, it just allowed me to... Um, make systematic the, the, the thing that had developed in my mind over time. You know, being a physical therapist doing this research, you, uh, I'm always trying to think, how do I translate what I just learned in this experiment to something I would do different with a patient? And um, I think it just allowed us to, to make it, uh, uh, allow for a systematic assessment of the patient's problems. And now by assigning numbers to them, you know, it, it made it practical for clinical use. Although I must say a little long. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why we decided to develop the mini-best test. Because I realized, even as we were doing it, that I know we needed all six components and I didn't want to let any of them away. But I knew it was long as practice got uh, busier and busier and, and therapists had to see more and more patients. And shorter and shorter times. Which is why we had to develop even a shorter test. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. From your mind and your mouth, why is exercise better than some medical treatments? <laughs> well, it's, um, you know, exercise is good for everybody. <laughs> um, and, um, for instance, they know that it changes the brain, not just behavior. So there's nerve growth factors, like BDNF, that they know is particularly uh, low in people with Parkinson's disease. So... And that gets increased, this nerve growth factor, with exercise. Um, I, th I think it's, um, 
it's multifactorial that there's many reasons changing the brain in people with Parkinson's can, can be helpful. That you're, you're not only teaching them how to do tasks and helping them compensate with other parts of their brain, um, and you're not only preventing problems like back pain and, and uh, musculoskeletal problems, um, I think that the, probably the most important thing the right kind of exercise can do is, is neuroplasticity is that improving the neuroplasticity because I think what Parkinson's disease is is a loss of that neuroplasticity. And so I think exercises that are mentally challenging as well as physically challenging that are um, help them with the cognitive problems they have as well as the motor problems, I think it actually can um, kind of reverse the, almost they almost have accelerated aging and we're trying to help reverse or slow that down to help them um, you have more plasticity, that is more synapses, more connections in their brain, more uh, less stereotype movement, and more flexibility of behaviors. So I think um, I think it's actually you know changing the brain for the better. And I, I predict that we will be able to show eventually that the right kind of exercise and the right dose is going to be neuroprotective and slow down progression of the disease. This concludes the abbreviated version of our interview with Faye Horak. Thank you for tuning in, and please check out the full interview for more insight into Faye's collaborations with international researchers, in addition to her contributions to vestibular rehab and postural control, and to also learn more about her current areas of passion.